Hello everyone, thank you for joining me today uh, for uh, another message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio, uh, for Sunday, June 13th, 2021. My name is Melvin Gaines. Uh, I'll be with you today with today's message. Uh, the message is uh, something that I believe is very timely for all of us as we have had a number of changes over the past year uh, related to all of the social injustice issues and things that have happened over the past year that have impacted the workplace. And, and these things are real things that need to be dealt with, where we're talking about making sure that there are uh, issues handled in the workplace as far as uh, inclusion, uh, equity, diversity, all of those things that have brought on uh, this conversation. And what does that really mean when it comes to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? So we'll talk about that a bit today, and I trust that it will uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, that the information will be beneficial for you. Uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for this time that is set aside for you and you only, where you are the one who is giving us direction through the power of your word, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in our lives, where we are just looking to you and looking to you for guidance and for instruction on how to proceed and how to serve you in a world that is constantly changing, it's evolving, there are things that are taking place, Lord, that are part of your will and things that are not part of your will. And Lord, we wanna be able to fit in those areas where we wanna be obedient to you and do the things that you would have us to do. We thank you for those reminders. We thank you for your word to help us along through this process. We just give you all the praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. Over the past year, a number of companies, including the one that I work for, have made modifications, uh, if not outright changes to their company codes. Uh, the, these codes, which you know I'm gonna to refer to um, as laws or policies, involve more than just an update of the uh, employee manuals. These updates where every employee must regularly review and pass annual multiple choice tests involve what is commonly referred to as the Code of Business Conduct and Ethics. The Code of Business Conduct and Ethics. Every large organization, especially those that are traded on the stock exchange publicly, has a Business Conduct and Ethics Code. Now, to be clear, these annual reviews by employees of the company policies on ethics and conduct are time-consuming and at best, uh, sometimes it's just downright mind-numbing. Um, the video that is provided by Human Resources is required viewing, and they try to make it as light as they can with the uh, comedy in between sprinkled throughout the, the messages and all that. But it has to be viewed in its entirety, and you have to review the quiz question, questions that are peppered all throughout the presentation. Uh, each video provides a number of scenarios that test you as to what an employee must do in order to commit to ethical behavior, honesty, and integrity in the workplace. What do these company codes mean to the employee and to the organization as a whole? Well, it means that there are high standards for conduct and ethics that deserve attention and must be followed in order to uphold the standards and practices of the organization. These standards are important enough in areas of responsibility that they involve legal issues, and in some areas, 
corporate and personal liability. An employee must commit to following these practices and has to sign documentation pledging to follow the code. If an employee doesn't commit to follow the code or do these things in an improper manner, well, that person, he or she, could be terminated. Now, this message is about following a code of conduct and ethics, and it is no coincidence that the Bible can also be referred to as the believer's code of conduct and ethics. When you became a believer, it was when you recognized that Jesus was to be your personal Lord and Savior because of what is declared in Scripture. And it would have been shared to you by another person or persons with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Of course, your journey uh, about learning more about Christ and growing in your personal relationship with him comes down to your ongoing study of the Bible. It cannot be emphasized enough that without the Bible and without the teaching of the Holy Spirit as to its meaning, your ability to learn about Jesus would be next to impossible. God teaches you about himself through his word. Amen? All of us at one point were beginners as we started the journey of learning about Jesus Christ. In the same way that we strive to learn about new tasks or positions on the job, acquiring knowledge about God must always be our focus. Solomon proclaims this in the first verses of Proverbs under the title, The Beginning of Knowledge. If you take a look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, turn your Bibles, electronic devices to Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7, and we'll take a look at that together. All of the verses I'll be pulling from will be from the English Standard Version today, so I won't repeat that. But Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7 is what we'll be looking at here. Starting at verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It should be our mission to seek the Lord's wisdom and knowledge for life. That should be our mission. So with that in mind, it is interesting that a number of people see the Bible as a book of rules and regulations and instead of embracing it for its holiness and godly standards, they decide not to read it or, just as worse, run away from its laws and rules. Defeat is a certainty for those who fail to see the significance of following God and adhering to his rules and laws in Scripture. A number of people miss the point about the Bible. They will readily sign on to uphold their company's policies of the new millennium and honor its standards and ethics, and yet dismiss the Bible as irrelevant and outdated. 
it was written for a bunch of old folks. Might be a quote that you hear. Someone else may say it's not really for me because it was written a long time ago. And yet another person will say, I don't think God is speaking to me through these stories and fables, which typically will happen as a way to diminish the word by just referring to them as simple stories and fables. Well, if your faith is lacking, this is what your comments will sound like. And yet there's a passage of scripture that shows how relevant the Bible really is. And that passage is at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Uh, I'll wait while you turn to that. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And this comes down to faith. If your faith is lacking, you're going to make comments like the ones I just made. But look at what it says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When a believer concludes or even declares that the Bible is irrelevant, is it possible that there is a disconnect in his or her relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, you bet there is. There's a disconnect. What has happened to a believer who has taken a relationship with Jesus Christ and just cast it aside? Perhaps this is a moment in time where one's faith needs a rekindling. How important is faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It has to start with faith. It's very important in this entire picture. And of course, faith is also where we get the understanding of who God truly is. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And the word of Christ is the Bible. It's the living word. Faith, even the proverbial mustard seed size of it, as you read about in Matthew 13, verses 31 to 32, and Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 32, that mustard seed size of faith is the kindling that sparks a renewing of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. Even the smallest measure of faith can provide big results in the life of a believer. Now, please give careful consideration as to your own relationship with Jesus. Where does it stand right now? Rather than measuring or comparing the size of your faith with someone else, I suggest that you just start with you. Start with yourself. In this case, your heart for Jesus matters much, much more. Your ongoing prayers and study of God's word leads to greater knowledge and awareness of Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. The more that you do this, the more that you will readily receive his wisdom and knowledge. A friendly reminder to all believers. God teaches you about himself through his word. 
I'll add to that by stating that he gives you the indwelling Holy Spirit as a teacher and tutor as you experience his word for yourself. And how can we say this with all confidence? Because if we're trusting that Jesus Christ is in our midst, we can say this with all certainty. Go to Philippians 4.13. It's a verse you've seen before, but we need to go back to it and be reminded of the power of Jesus Christ and how he gives us the indwelling spirit to help teach us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you are weak, when you lack faith, he can strengthen you and help you with that. That's what he's there for. Have you done your homework? By homework, I'm referring to your personal study time with Jesus. Are you preparing yourself as you take life's tests? If the Bible is not being read or studied with a high regard, you will struggle with life's tests. Here's something that you need to always consider when we look at the daily study aspect of what we do. Go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is the instruction that was given to Joshua as he was, frankly, taking over the leadership of the nation of Israel. And it was something that he would fulfill very mightily because he truly did honor the Lord. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, meaning his word, God's word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You see, there's a cause and effect here. The more that you're into the word and studying it, the more it's going to help you to be successful. Successful in your ministry, successful as a believer, successful in a way we're not talking about prosperous as far as money is concerned, although that certainly could happen too if you're being faithful to him, but prosperous as far as your outcomes, the outcomes of what you're trying to seek to do, seek to accomplish. These are all things that you can experience if you remain faithful and continue to stay in, in God's word. Now, I pray that this does not apply to you, what I'm about to say, but to experience a prolonged disconnect with Jesus Christ means that there is a lack of understanding as to God's power and ability for your life. I'm listening to a number of messages from Pastor Gus and other pastors and preachers where some people just don't seem to be very interested in hearing God's word, plain and simple. And what exactly is happening here? It is a tragedy in the making for a number of people. And I'm not talking about non-believers here. Although certainly this has application to them, I'm specifically speaking here about believers. I'm taking the approach of James within his epistle to the Jewish Christians. Take a look at what James says in James chapter 1, verse 25. James 1, verse 25. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So there's a knowledge of the word here, but it's not just about knowing the word, it's about doing something relative to what the word says. Here are pointed questions for you to consider. Are you relying on the power of the Spirit that dwells within you? It's a yes or no question. Are you listening to him at all? If there's a disconnect on your end or in cell phone terminology, a bad connection, here is what needs to be considered. It doesn't mean that God isn't speaking to you. Perhaps it means that you're just not listening to him. Jesus always, always has his line of communication open. He readily speaks and he listens when you call upon him. Now, Pastor Gus has said on a number of occasions that God has been very good to him. He said it recently. He has experienced blessing after blessing and that, quote, God has richly blessed my wife and I. When you hear something like this, do you say amen? Or do you say, that's nice, or good for you? Where is your faith? What is your purpose? Does your connection with Jesus Christ need an upgrade? If you take the time to learn to listen to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will be able to help you in your faith and help you to shape your purpose. This is the power of sanctification, his improvement, his upgrade within your relationship with Jesus Christ. He will always be available every time you sincerely seek after him. He has the answers and solutions for all of your questions. Everything that you want in the relationship may not be revealed to you right away, but he will reveal to you what you need to move forward and step out in faith. The Bible is not just for old folks. For those of you who consider yourself to be young men, I put young in quotes, yes, and women as well too, that's for you too. For young people, the book is God's standard in practice for you. It's for every believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible's not just for old folks, it's for everybody. It is the believer's code of conduct. The believer's code of conduct. The Bible is a book that requires a commitment to live according to God's will and purpose for your life. It's his holy standard for each of us. It's our code of ethics. It's our code of ethics. Now let's understand the importance of what the Bible can do for you as you learn more about this faith. The Bible is indeed our code of conduct, our manual of ethics, Here's what it reflects in the same way that many of us have agreed to follow in the very companies that we work for. These are like company codes that you might read and pick up. Now, the same information or similar information is in, in these company codes as what we're going to cover right here. So perhaps companies you've worked for in the past or maybe in the present, 
uh, you might have seen something like this as part of your code. Number one, our commitment to equal opportunities for all. Well, the Bible even addresses that. As you learn about Jesus Christ and what it represents in all of your interpersonal relationships, a scripture that should come to mind about this equal opportunity and fairness should involve God's fairness and equity. And here's a passage. Take a look at Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. Turn to Romans 2, verses 6 through 13. And we'll read through this. And we need to see that God truly is a God who looks to everyone. He doesn't play favorites. And he says so in his word. And that's a reminder that people aren't treated any differently no matter where they come from, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're black or white or any color for that matter. They're all treated the same. Romans 2, verses 6 through 13. Verse 6, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does, not, who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Now there it is. Once again, these are the words that mirror the intent within James chapter 1. In his letter to the Jewish Christians, the doers, the ones who affirm the Lord by their actions. This passage is a reminder to everyone that you need to make sure that your communication with Jesus Christ is at an optimal level. He plays no favorites. If you want to represent fairness and equity in today's world, treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Love God and love others as well. Love always carries the day. Amen? Love always carries the day. Jesus reminds us through his word, the example we are to set before others. Of course, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, which we've read before, but I'll read it to you right now. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When speaking of diversity and inclusion, Scripture takes us right back to the place where we are to love everyone and to avoid condemnation of any kind due to one's differences. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. You can take a quick look at John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17, but here's a reminder uh, of how Jesus truly did have grace as he lived his life and what he did for us on the cross. 
John 3, 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17, which summarizes this beautifully, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Live according to his example wherever you go from here on. That's how we're to live. Point number two, another item that can be ripped from a company manual. A pledge to live in safety, avoid conflict, and live in an orderly manner. Well, Proverbs 18.10 is all about safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. When you go to the Lord, he is our safety. That's what we need to always look to whenever it comes to this, this issue of being safe, being protected, being covered over, being taken care of. Um, turn to Isaiah 41, verse 10. And we'll also see another example of this here. Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says in verse 10 of Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As far as not stirring up conflict, go to James 1, verses 19 and 20. James 1, verses 19 and 20. We as believers need to make sure that we're always taking the high road and always doing whatever we can to not stir things up uh, within our workplace or anywhere within our families, within the people that we come in close contact with. Verse 19 of James 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And keep in mind that when we get angry, we can have a righteous anger, but we need to still watch our tongues, watch what we have to say. As far as orderly living, Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4. Please turn to that. Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4. Philippians 2, verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 in 1 Peter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 
do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Let me read that part again. Bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Jesus is our safe place that is readily available to everyone. And that's to everyone, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. He is where we can go and not face judgment or ridicule. Remember, what he says about himself in John 3.17 points right to that. He's not to condemn. He doesn't condemn. He is our strength in that we do not engage those people who oppose the gospel, but rather love our enemies. Perhaps we have to agree to disagree with them and live in peace. This is how we make the difference in a world of conflict. Be ready to forgive others. We must live in peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18, of course, says it too. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Another comment ripped from a company uh, manual. Number three, our commitment to live in honesty and to stand against unethical or illegal behavior. What you will see here is that love is the dominant factor as we live a life of honesty, as we resist doing what is wrong. We have choices to make, don't we? We can either choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Well, Jesus compels us to always make the right choice. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. I'll just read that to you. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed... You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I share this passage because I want everyone to understand that while there are people that we live and work with every day that practice these behaviors, and of course, we think about this, you know, we practice behaviors too. So it's far be it for us for anybody to point fingers at anybody else. But we need to recognize in this situation that A, our response is to still love these people and B, serve the Lord Jesus Christ as a faithful representative of the gospel. We are called to stand on the truth and let the Lord handle his business within our ministry for others. There is no conflict of interest in pursuing diversity and inclusion for all people because Jesus teaches us to love everyone. Amen. Always remember what it says in Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. Let's turn to that. Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. You could literally make this like a mission statement for yourself as you go about your daily endeavors. Verse 9, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another 
with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. In verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If you do this, you can minister for Jesus anywhere and everywhere. Amen and amen. As far as behavior is concerned, we already know the difference between right and wrong. Companies have to list what is proper and improper to make it easier to identify these rights and wrongs. The Bible has done the same thing. In addition to the many references throughout the Old Testament as Moses was communicating these behaviors to the people of Israel, you'll find that all these behaviors are under the umbrella of the Ten Commandments. But look at what it says in Romans as it summarizes all of this. Take a look at Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 in Romans 13. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You can't love God and sin at the same time. Your guide to living in honesty involves obedience to God's word and putting love at the forefront of everything that you do. I trust that you can see how a number of company codes and standards have an actual connection to biblical standards. As we live in a world that embraces fleshliness over godliness, let us continue to pursue this godliness by living in completeness before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our guide is the believer's true code of conduct, the living word of Jesus Christ. I trust that you will remain prayerful each day as you take in his word and live before others. There's no greater calling than to be a follower and representative of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for how you continually show us how to live for you in a world that typically tries to oppose you. And yet you ask us to remain strong and faithful to your word. Lord, we thank you for the power of what love can truly do. Love changes minds. Love opens the hearts of many. Love is even necessary within the body of Christ for those who have lost their faith or just lost uh, a way where we, they can really be motivated in looking to you. I pray for a change. There were so many changes that have taken place over the past year. Some that I thought would never happen. 
And yet here we are, where there have been many changes, and changes in a very good way, too. But Lord, you're the reason for that. You're the reason for all these things that have taken place that have been beneficial to us. You deserve all the credit, and Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing in our lives. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our motivations, you know where we stand. Help us along day by day as you minister to us through the word, as you minister to us through our work, the things that we're doing. We wanna take the things that you've taught us and apply them to where we are at any given moment. Help us to go forward with this knowledge and understanding. Help us to always remember that love is where everything needs to be fulfilled, including changes to our companies, changes to people. It's your love that must prevail. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for being here today. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time.